BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to my weekly podcast, Taste of Taylor. I'm Taylor, your hostess with the mostest. And right now, I'm so excited, you guys. I have Sarah Frazier on. Hey, girl. Hey. Ah, Hey, girl. Hey. Oh, my God. Taylor, I am a huge fan, and I am so excited (laughs) to be here. I adore you. This is so good. The feeling is very mutual. So (sighs) Sarah and I both have a background in radio, and I was on Sarah's show. So Sarah has a podcast. It's Monday through Thursday. Thursday. You can check it out. Yeah. Um, pop culture comedy. It's fucking great. <laughs> oh, I'm ready. I'm ready to launch an OnlyFans. Have you heard of this? Like, <laughs> I'm so ready to like show my entire body, feet, whatever it is. Like, no problem. Three ninety nine. You got it. Like, I'm there. Girl, I'm there, girl. I'm so with you. When I saw that, who who was the one that just went on it, and she basically broke it. Now all the sex workers are so angry at her. Oh um, God, Bella, Bella Thorne. Thorne. Yes, Bella Thorne. Oh my God, I love her. I love it. See, isn't it? legit now these huge celebrities are doing it taylor we have to do it cardi b's doing it and she's like but i'm not going to show my pussy and i'm like well same same these if cardi b's Uh, not showing her hunani i don't want to either she showed her pussy for like 10 years when she was working that stripper pole and now (laughs) she doesn't want it it's like girl that should be the first thing you show you're used to showing that what give the fans what they want play the hits and here I am. No one wants to see my pussy. And that's the first thing I'll upload. You know, I mean, that's me. I don't mind. But when I started Taste of Taylor, like, you know, I was at first it was just a sample of the radio show. And then I'm like, no, this can be its like own interview show. So I started getting into that and I hired a booker to get like big name talent, lots of Bravo celebrities because, you know, girl, I love a Bravo celebrity. And but like I was really gunning for Lauren from The Skinny Confidential. Oh, and also, yes. Because I was obsessed with her as an influencer and like loved her. And also I love the podcast. and I knew they were Dear Media. And I knew a little bit about Dear Media through uh, Jackie Schimmel from Bitch Bible because we're really friendly. Okay. And I'm like, I'm getting, I'm getting on this fucking network. And so I spent so much money on this booker. <laughs> And finally, she comes through with with Lauren, and I'm like, yes, I'm gonna have Lauren on. I'm gonna make her fall in love with me. We're gonna be best friends. And then she's gonna be like, hey, you should meet Michael. I'm gonna meet Michael. I'm gonna be on Dear Media. It's gonna be so great. So Lauren comes in, it goes accordingly. We hit it off. We have the best time ever. And then I'm like, so I'm dying to be on Dear Media. And she's like, well, it's not my company. It's my husband's. But I'm more than happy to do an intro. But girl, oh god, you do know 
that the offer's on the table. And I said, what you mean? And she said, we like reached out to you like three years ago when you first oh got fired from Sirius. And I was like, what? And she was like, check your DMs, girl. <laughs> I love you. Have you checked them recently? I mean, my God, Michelle Obama's probably trying to get a hold of you. You don't even know it. You know, I mean, that's, that's so you. I love it. Oh my God. So I'm like the worst with that stuff. But no, but the point is, is that like Sarah and I both have radio backgrounds. And when yes. I got, when I, when I remember when I signed with Dear Media, they said, well, we're not even worried about you because you're a pro. And this is the thing that's so interesting because, you know, Sarah and I were just talking and we always do whenever we get together and talk a lot about like podcasting versus radio. Is radio dead? What's the future of audio in general? And like given both of our backgrounds. So we have a, let's like go back back, Sarah, because I really okay. want to like I, I, I want the audience to understand like the scope of it, because I think honestly, you know what it, it, it reminds me of? It's like I think there's something interesting happening in comedy right now. Right. Or you have comedians who are like bombing in the basement, right? That's like a very comedy term. And it's like you have like done the comedy circuit in like a New York City or a Philadelphia or a Boston or whatever. It's very tight knit. And like you all do these like these sets together and you bomb and the audience throws drinks at you and tomatoes. And it's like (laughs) and then like one of you gets a big break and then everybody brings each other up. But they're all like doing the like, you know, they're they're doing these like the comedy seller and they're doing sets and it's really like horrible hours and it's a grind. And so then when people make it, it's like, yes, man, you earned your stripes. You got there. But now thanks to Instagram and it's a, it's a blessing and a curse simultaneously. Yeah. But like now somebody who's a little bit funny gets a following as an influencer and then they get to call themselves a comedian. And listen, I'm not opposed to it, but there's some hardcore comedians that are like, fuck that shit. (laughs) You didn't bomb in a basement. You don't get to call yourself a stand-up comedian. Yeah. And, you know, again, you and I were about the same age. And so I was raised with a Gen X mentality, but I have very millennial tendencies. Yep, yep. And so I, I get can it. really see both sides. Because when you're forced to follow the rules your whole life and you're promised a certain result if you follow those rules, and then the next generation comes, breaks all of them, throws Instagram in your face, and then a TikTok and a WAP, and then it's like they're taking over the world. I can see some people being salty. So where do, yeah. where do you fall on that? Because you're old school radio, but now you're progressive enough to be in podcasting. Very salty. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> very, very salty, actually. No, um, yeah, you're, 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 you're absolutely right. I mean, and and you and I, you, you talked about it a few minutes ago that we both had foresight, right? So my story is I started out in radio. I went to college in Massachusetts and I, my uncle's I went to Mount Holyoke, an all women's college. Ooh. So, yep, all women's I would college. Have, I would have thrived there as a secret <laughs> you, lesbian. You would have loved it. Oh my God. It was so, anyway, I met some amazing girls. So, we, so after I graduated, my uncles, my gunkles, they, they were married for like 42 years before one of them passed away. Mm. So, um, they said, you need to move to Washington, D.C. Howard Stern started there. It's a media town. If you want to be in media, this is where you need to go. So I, Taylor, with a suitcase, I moved to D.C., pounded the pavement. I went into every radio station and I just go to the front desk and be like, are you guys hiring interns or promotions? So I started in promotions. I tell everybody I wanted to be on air. People helped me make a demo reel. So in 2007, a friend of mine said, there's this guy coming to D.C. named Kane and he's going to have the Kane 
Kane show and they're auditioning women. You need to audition. So I reached out to Kane. I reached out to the program director. Neither one of them got back to me. And so my friend Aaron worked in sales. I said, Aaron, I'm taking you to lunch. I'm going to sit outside of Jeff Capucci's office. He was the program director. And I'm just going to put a name to a face. And I just want an audition. So I did that. And Jeff and I talked. I auditioned. And then I was there for seven years. Wow. So yeah, it was crazy. And and the Kane show, much like your experience at SiriusXM, like totally blew up. We were syndicated in like eight markets across the country in Louisville and Tampa and Memphis and SiriusXM for a long period of yes, time, D.C., Baltimore. But here's the thing, though, is that, see, we had, even though we're both radio, we had such very different experiences because Sirius was like syndication for free. Does yeah. that make sense? Right. So, like, this is the thing in radio is, because my very first radio agent was like a radio guy, and he kept trying to get me to leave Sirius and go down and work in Atlanta at some show... Oh, I can't God. remember the show. And he's like, you'll sit fourth chair. And oh, God. Like, Probably like the Burt show. It was. Or something. <laughs> it was a good show. Everybody, every, Burt was on in D.C. for a hot second. Then he got canceled. And so um, he or, was like, you're going to go down. They're going to work there. And you're going to make oh, four God. times the salary you're making now as the host of your own morning radio show. And I was like, I'm confused. I that doesn't make sense. And he was like, well, Sirius isn't regular radio. So for anyone who's listening, there's... FM radio and yeah. AM terrestrial. Right. And Sirius changed the game. I mean, there was like the the government got involved when Sirius XM merged. That's because right. They thought it was a monopoly. And they argued and won that, well, they have terrestrial radio to compete against. They have CDs. And then, of course, like at that time, they didn't realize there was going to be iTunes and Spotify and the whole and shebang. And podcasting. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. But, the, but, you know, they won and they merged. But like, but I will say like... I, I didn't quite get it, but that's when I realized, oh, shit, there's actually more money in regular radio than there is in the satellite thing because they're, it, we're, we're, we're already syndicated. So what did it feel like to blow up? Because I started blowed up. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, right, right. Like, you were like... I got robbed of the moment of being like, we've done it. <laughs> like, well, it was like, it kind of was just like, it's Cosmo Magazine, which is huge. It's yeah. serious. Howard Stern's down the hall. You're huge. So I was just like, I am. I'm huge. We're huge. I'm huge. And then I would get my paycheck and be like, I don't think that we're huge. Why is this not <laughs> reflecting? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why is this not reflecting the, the bigness of this? Yeah. It's a crazy feeling, isn't it? It was weird in D.C. because back in the day, so this would have been like 2010 or whatever. I mean, everybody in D.C., Baltimore, Maryland, Virginia would have listened to the Kane show, right? So right. everywhere we went, I mean, it was it was amazing. Everybody loved the show. People were so attached to everything. You know, people, you go out on a Friday night and they'd be like, so you know that woman that called in that like left her child in a crib and then went and partied? And, and you're like, no, it's Friday night. And I don't even fucking remember like what <laughs> segment this was. But um, it was cool. I mean, it was amazing. Everywhere we went, everybody knew us. You know, you full on celebrity in D.C. It was right. great. Tons also of Also pers- different. Also different. So with Sirius, it was like, what's Cyrus? And we're like, I'm like, oh, my God. It sucks. And you weren't local because it was nationwide. So, like, that's the thing is usually in radio you start local. Like, if you've seen Private Parts, the best movie ever in the history of movies about Howard Stern's career, you start off small. It's like college. You start off small. And then you grow, grow, grow. And you feel the growth. It's like being, like, in a band. You do, like, small venues. Then you grow, grow, grow. And so, like... I kind of cut the line in radio, which I know is annoying to a lot of people in radio. And uh, trust me, I annoy myself. But I will say this. The bad thing about that is when you go from zero to 60, 
you don't get any of that like that that growth. You don't get that feeling. You don't know what that like the rise to fame feels like, you know? Right. It's kind of like it's probably what it's like to be honestly, it's maybe kind of what it feels like to be what are those kids called? The Zanes and the Maliks and the they're called the, a One Direction. Yes, the one yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like being a kid in one direction. <laughs> you yes. know? Like you audition, probably one yep. of their first auditions. They just make the boy group. It's a overnight success. And there's like, wait, what happened to my life? Except yeah. they're like with the Hadid sisters and, you know. And then well, it all worked out for them. Yeah. It and and it continued. Yeah, exactly. But it was really, you know, like I never I never got that. Like, like eventually people were like, whoa, serious. And then there'd be like, I would get recognized weirdly in weird places. But like it definitely, I don't know. It just, it like even though we had such a similar background with radio, it's, I feel like the experience is different. Like, I like your experience better than mine, honestly. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't know. I mean, yours is amazing. Yours really, I think, catapulted you to, you know. It's now all smoke you... and mirrors, boo-boo. It's all lies. <laughs> oh, I know. I hear it. <laughs> me too. Me too. Yeah. I mean, mine, I, I don't know. Like you said, you learn a lot of lessons, right? I feel like Kane, what Kane taught me the most is really prepared me for show business because it was a very difficult environment. I worked at iHeartRadio. It was very toxic towards the end. Like and how? actually- uh, well, it was like, um, let's see, he'd be throwing keys and kicking trash cans at us when we didn't do what, what he wanted us to but do. Like, give me a scenario. Oh, well, my co-host was, there was a couple people on the show, Kane, Sammy, myself, and Eric was the producer. So obviously Kane led the show and um, Sammy was supposed to be the the kind of dickhead kid that was like always getting in trouble. So if if Sammy was late, right, that would usually start a fight. And then it would end with Kane kicking a trash can, smashing a Shakira pit portrait. And oh, by the way, we have to go live in two minutes. It was like, this is so fucked up. I mean, it was just like that. It was, um, you know, I ended up leaving because he secretly recorded us. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100% wait, wait, wait. secretly How recorded us. So because you were in the studio. So this is the thing when you work in audio, you're always in a studio. So even if you're not live, like there's like there's still an ability to record things. And I was yeah, so paranoid. Yeah, on a Vox I so, Pro. I, I was so, I was so paranoid because I was like, I could be being recorded right now. Like that is a thing. I wish work. I had thought of that. <laughs> that is, wait, is that even illegal or technically is it not? There's a weird, um, it's state by state, that voyeurism law. Because there was a girl in my college she had sex with this guy she had sex with all the guys and she had sex with this guy and we were like girl he's shady girl he should she just lived down the hall from us and he had a video camera with him all day long he was visiting a friend oh my they god had sex. the next morning we heard all the boys down like the on the boys side making a ruckus and we're like what's going on they're like this dude filmed him having sex with the the girl across. and so we went to her and she was horrified because she didn't know so we called Ugh. the police and we were like um there's like we want the tape back and like he committed a crime and they were like actually in the state of New York voyeurism laws state that as long as one person in the room knows that there's a recording it's not illegal and so but they said if he set the camera up and left and she like masturbated or had sex with somebody else then he would be in violation of the law isn't that fucked that is so fucked up yeah that is so messed up oh my god uh well mine didn't really go (laughs) mine went like it was you know what? And I actually learned the example of somebody I feel like who couldn't handle fame. Like the show became so popular. I think that he was under so much pressure that you talk about paranoia. I think he was so paranoid that people were talking about him or out to get him that he was like 
you know, secretly recording us or, you so know, he would like uh, leave the room and be recording. Yeah. Us. Yeah, absolutely. So when I finally went to complain about his behavior and the way he was treating people and yelling and screaming and in your face all the time, they basically told me, management said to me, well, you know, he has you and Sammy on tape um, talking shit about him and you can't talk the way you were talking about him and expect things to change. And I said, and my attorney said, okay, we want to copy the tape. And they go, oh no, 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 you're mistaken. It, it was deleted. It was deleted. But that was when I knew I needed to leave. Because I was like, wow. I can't even trust my co-host. Yeah. Okay, but here's the thing. You're the most popular show, like, in a major yeah. market. Yeah. You're, you're local celebs, right? I mean, yeah. you're making good money, honey. Oh, we made 250000 plus every year. I, I mean, this is when I was that like. you're giving me numbers. I love oh, it. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, I, I share it all. Yeah, and I was like 29 years old, 28, 29 years Holy old. Holy shit. Yeah. So you're yeah. making good fucking money. Huge money. Yes, huge money. And so, but you're like. I need to leave, which this is such an important conversation to have because I'm sure, you know, there's so many people that are in jobs that are bad for them. I was in one too at Sirius for, and the thing is I would have never left Sarah. I would have stayed forever knowing I was underpaid. See, this is the funny thing too. Like, Satellite doesn't pay the way I don't know what terrestrial, terrestrial does. Pay. Yeah, terrestrial pays money, honey. And I don't know if they're paying as much anymore as they used to, but they definitely. I mean, even ten years ago, they were paying huge salaries. Yeah, yeah I mean, and there really were multiple were. multiple radio personalities in DC making over a million dollars a year. It, and that was the like, difference at Sirius. That Sirius did not have a reputation for overpaying or even market value. <laughs> I mean, because. I'm thinking, okay, so like I wasn't making anywhere even fucking near that. And I was hosting a four hour talk morning show for the number one selling women's magazine in the world for six years. I didn't even get close to that. Nationally syndicated. I know that's bananas. Maybe you should have taken that Atlanta gig with Bert. (laughs) No shit. (laughs) My agent was so mad at me. He fired me. He was so pissed. But like, but that's the thing is that, you know, so I was being underpaid, underrespected, under everything, and I still couldn't leave because the cachet of cool, and I'm I'm such a sucker for like image and looking yeah. cool. It's my Achilles heel, and I was like, I can't leave. It's just too cool. And I was also like, if I just stay on air long enough, maybe someday they'll give me money, or maybe like it'll get better, or maybe I'll get an offer from someplace that will pay. But it was like. I'm telling you, Sarah, I would still be there right now if they didn't fire me. Like that, they, thank God they fired me because I would have never left. And then seeing that you can actually, I mean, I'm doing better financially on my own than when I was with them. Not saying much, given I wasn't making money. <laughs> exactly. But but that's the thing is that you know, I respect you so much that you walked away because, like, girl, if 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 they were paying me bank, it's serious. Oh my God. I'd be sleeping with everybody. (laughs) I mean, people told me I was nuts. You know, my entertainment attorney was like, you're insane. No one makes this kind of money when you're 28 or 29 years old. Um, But I always think it comes down to two things. And I will say that I thought I think it's interesting what you said about the status. The day I walked out the door, Taylor, it was very tough because people began to not know who I was. And that Mm -hmm. was that really was a mind fuck. Like it was. And you know, and when it's, it's so so basically so I think you and I are the same. So you're like especially when you start in radio so young, the way we did, it becomes your identity because you're too young and stupid to realize that your job and career doesn't have to be who you are. Right. But when you step into a spot and then you get like notoriety from it, you're like, this is who I am. It's not even just like so when you when you lose it or walk away from it, you don't just lose money, which is important to survive. You lose your entire identity. Yeah. Like yeah, when I, I used to be like like I just went to the ER because my back got all fucked up. 
when people used to ask me what I did for a living, I was so excited. I play it cool, like um, nothing radio, uh, Sirius XM, uh, Cosmo Radio, Wake Up with Taylor. Half the time people would be like, I listen to you. Oh my God. <laughs> it was the biggest like ego trip ever. Mm-hmm. And now people are like, what do you do? And I'm like, I have a radio show. And they're like, hmm, what's it called? I'm like, the Taylor's Checkers show. <laughs> they're like, I haven't heard of it. I'm like, shocking. It's an independent radio show. And then they're like, oh, and they're like, okay. And then I'm like, I'm also a podcaster. With your media, ever heard like, of them? Oh, and my like, brother's got a podcast. You know, people like- in in the world of podcasting are like, "That's so cool!" Like, I actually, I was getting a spray tan one time. I'm naked. That's fun. And this girl was like, "So you're going to LA?" And I'm like, "Yeah." She's like, "Business pleasure." I was like, "Business." She's like, "What business are you in?" I was like, "Podcasting." She's like, "Oh, I love this one podcast company, Dear Media." And I'm like, "Oh my god, that's what I I was going out for to launch mine." But I didn't tell her because I'm all naked and I don't want her looking for my podcast. <laughs> yes. Being like, I saw that girl's cellulite, but. Like that was like such a moment, but that's like few and far between. Cause I think that podcasting, as we both know, it's still a growing industry. Yes. It's, it's, it's getting there, but like, you know, it, it still hasn't reached its peak, which is a fantastic thing. But like, it is, it's, I, I realize now how much of I, my identity was wrapped up in. I work for Sirius XM radio and that's why I stayed for so long. Hey, I hear you. I mean, you know, we used to go out, every restaurant wanted us to come in and eat. Cause of course they wanted us to social media about it. So everything was free. <sighs> I went from that to the next day, like, like, hey, all right, so the bill's 150 bucks. You're like, oh, I have to pay? <laughs> what happened? What happened? You're like, so food costs money? <laughs> yeah, what? This, so, it, yeah, I mean, it was a big wake-up call. And actually, with the Kane Show, I mean, their motto was you're with us or you're against us. And the day I walked out that door, I never heard from anybody until a year later, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer and they had read it on a blog Sorry. that I was keeping. And then they, you know, all reached out. And I, I just was like, I wasn't ready to receive any of that because I just right. was so still angry and resentful. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you, I always feel like people should follow their gut and, you know, know when to leave. And for me, what did it was two things. Going to a mindful eating therapist, which we'll talk about. She uh, was the one. Yes. Oh, my God. She changed my life. She woke me up to the relationship I was in in that radio show was like an abusive husband. Yep. And she's like, you know, you're getting punched in the face. And the next day he's telling you he loves you like this is really unhealthy. So mm-hmm. she began to make me see that. And then the other thing is she really began to get me to really say, you know, who am I and what do I really want? And if I went back to when I was little, what I've always wanted to do is basically be a trashy talk show host. Like I always tell people I'm a mix of Howard Stern meets Oprah because I love, I want to have an old school, you know, your audience is probably way too young, but I used to be obsessed with Phil Donahue, like, and, and like Sally, Jesse Raphael. So I want to have an old school talk show. And she got me thinking, like, is that ever going to happen on the path you're on? It's never going to be the Kane and Sarah show. It's never going to be the Sarah show. You have to try to you've got to find a way to find your own voice. So I knew I had to leave that show to find my own voice. And it was it took me a year to get up the courage to tell them. Well, like any hard breakup, right? I, yeah. I mean, like yeah. when, by the time I'm out of a romantic relationship, I'm like fine because I've been breaking up for the last two years in the relationship. <laughs> exactly. Me too. Me too. Right. So by the time you pull the trigger, you're like, I'm emotionally set. But it was <laughs> it was very difficult. Financially, people told me not to do it. Um, fame wise, people told me not to do it. Yep. And, you know, at the time I heard said, you guys need to stay, stay, stay. You guys are going to replace Elvis Duran. You're going to replace Elvis. You're going to. And I always thought, OK, we'll put it in writing. Right. You know, which they never would do. Of so, course. And question, yeah. has Kane ever replaced Elvis Duran? No. In fact, he was let go uh, just this past Easter. I think Whoa. they let him go Easter weekend. Yes. In D.C. Wow. Because yeah. yeah. radio is changing. dead. <laughs> yep. 
You said it. I'll go dying, with it. Dying, dying. Yeah. That- well, it is. I mean, they can they can spin it any way they want. And I, I think to your point, radio locally will always have a purpose because especially in a city like Washington, New York, you've got news, traffic, weather. You still have some heritage DJs that are still there. But I mean, you know, you think of the people on TikTok, the kids that are 17. They're not listening to radio. They're not mm-hmm. listening to radio even like kids were 10 years ago. It's true. It is. It is. So you had the foresight to get into podcasting. How did you figure that out? So, Taylor, the reason I knew this is after I left the Kane show, I briefly led my own morning show in D.C. called Sarah Ty and Mel on a Cumulus radio station. Uh-huh. Um, but we had heard that... Which was huge, huge. Actually, yeah. and I'm, I was the first woman. Mel and I were the first two women ever in D.C. to have our names on a show, on a morning show. Because, you know, wow. women usually do not lead morning shows because... No. You you go, you go. No, well, well the, the saying in radio, and I even heard this in 2010, was women don't want to hear women on the radio. That was, mm, that was so, so wrong. You, so wrong, right? So Mel and I really made history in D.C., and it was Sarah Ty and Mel on D.C.'s 107.3. But we knew the station was failing. They've sold the station now to a Christian rock group. So when we would go out to events, we would say to people, hey, what do you listen to? And they go, oh, I listen to this podcast. I listen to this podcast. So I said to Mel and Ty, I was like, it's this is it. This is game over because these people aren't listening to a competitor of ours. They're listening right. to a whole different genre. Yes. So that's it. When that when that um, show ended, they wanted me to stay. And I'll drop more numbers on you because you'll be like, what I the fuck? Numbers. They wanted number. they wanted me to stay at middays and they like doubled, tripled my salary. So they wanted to hire me for like four hours a day for one hundred ninety five thousand a year. I said no to that. <laughs> oh my God, you're balls. You have cool yawns. I am so impressed by you. Continue. <laughs> I said, nope, I'm taking the severage package. I'm launching my own podcast. And my agent actually you, was like- how, how do you have the sense of self? I'm dead ass right now. Because- Especially in an industry like radio, which beats down specific, everyone, but really women. Like women's role in radio is to be stupid. Yeah, yeah, it is. Most. And I, I can think of, that, and that's why- Wake Up a Taylor and Cosmo Radio was so special because they were like, no, the women will be the lead. You should have seen me. I, I could drop some names on you. I'm not going to drop them right now because I don't want to get myself in trouble. I'll say it after. But there was a guy who was like a radio guy and he came in to, to audition to be my producer slash co-host. And Ooh. he we did an audition and he literally said to me, don't you ever fucking talk down like that to me ever again. Oh, and I, I believe said, it. Where the fuck do you think you are? This is Cosmo Radio. We're the fucking queens. You're our fucking lap dogs. Don't you fucking talk to me. And he was like, I don't want the job. And I was like, you're not cut out for it. Go next door to Maxim. That's where you can like, you know, I objectify women. Here, we objectify men. Welcome to, you know, the upside down. This is where we live. But, and I mean, I wasn't even being that rude to him. It's just like, he couldn't handle that. I was trying to truly just be like, no, well, actually, like it, it was really like, no, what we're talking about actually is. And just like steer the conversation back. And even doing that was like infuriating. Like how dare you woman do that? And people mm-hmm. at Sirius used to call the Cosmo Radio channel the chick channel. Like it was nothing. Meanwhile, yeah. our ad sales were fucking off the charts because women are the ones in control of the spending money. It was just, it really, it was very interesting the way women were perceived specifically in radio. Like women don't oh, yeah. other women. Well, of course they do. They want to relate to somebody. Uh, and I've had that experience so many times with men, you know, telling me how I should behave. I had a, I had a program director before I worked for iHeart. I, I would tell people like I wanted to have a talk show someday. And he would say to me, look, you, you know, sharing these big dreams or whatever that are never going to happen. Um, this makes people think you don't want to work here. So stop telling people what, you know, these, these 
you know, pie in the sky goals and come back to being a DJ. I mean, all, all these, I, I mean, I had, it was crazy. I had a female program director oh, basically tell me. started. Yeah, I know. I had, I've had some of the worst experience with other women as bosses in radio. And they were the ones that would even tell me in 2010, I, you know, I'd say, I want my own morning show. They go, all right, you know. Sarah, be realistic. That's never going to happen. You know, so I think that you asked me why I think that I like proving people wrong. And Mm. I almost have a visceral, like sick feeling when I know something isn't right. And, And I guess that's your gut. And yeah. so with the with the hundred ninety five thousand dollar offer, I knew this is just a band aid. This is just putting off what I need to do, which is find my own voice, launch my own show, learn the back end of business and go out and fucking hustle and pitch the talk show that you want and do it on your own. Because I don't want to I don't want to be Kelly and Ryan. I just right. don't. Right. Yeah. I'm fucking blown away by you. Okay. Now, <laughs> well, I know we're going to talk about it later, but let's talk about it now. So okay. because. You're saying, I'm like, how can you make these decisions? And you're saying, yes, your gut. And like, you knew that you were off, you're putting off your dreams. But like, a lot of us have that, we, we, we have that like internal monologue, but we don't do the proper things to get there. Like I said, I had to literally be fired to get on the right path. So you said you work with this mindful eating coach? Yes. Okay, Robin, let's talk about this. Okay, yes. I'm obsessed. I need this woman in my life. It does oh, she God. still like... Is, is she still with us? Yes. She Thank is. God. She's like, she's a crunchy. Um, she, she is from Tacoma Park, Maryland. She's this little tiny hippie lady. She's amazing. Robin Mize is her name. Her website is robinmize.com. I send every woman, all her clients have come from me in the, in the podcast and the radio show over the years. She is mind blowing and will change your life. How did you find her in the first place? And why did you know you had to find her? So, you know, you know this about me, but your listeners will find out. I was always an overweight child Mm -hmm. from the, I started my first diet when I was 12 years old. I went to, and my mom and I are very close, but this is so funny. She took me to a Weight Watchers meeting at 12. I was a little bit older (laughs) than you. I was a sophomore in high school. And my date was a year younger than me, which was like a really big deal. I felt like a loser, which is so stupid. And um, I was like, he didn't kiss me, mom. And my mom was like, well, maybe we should go to a watcher's meeting. And again, (laughs) same thing. Like my mom's the best. Yeah. And truthfully, like, because I know people listen to this and they're like, your mom's a monster. It's like, no, my mom was, my mom was just teaching me what she had learned. Like she didn't know any better, you know? And she was like, well, Weight Watchers prevented me from getting an eating disorder. But now we know that even those types of diets probably perpetuate some form of an eating disorder. But, you know, what do we know 15 years ago? Not that. 100%. I mean, I was there with you. I, you know, I went to my first meeting and weigh in and that just triggered pro- from the age of basically 12 until 28. I gained and lost probably close to 200 pounds. Wow. Um, when I graduated from Mount Holyoke, I was, I'm, I'm very short. I'm like five, three, I was 200 pounds. So I stopped wow. getting on the scale, scale at 190. Cause I was so emotionally like depressed and distraught at what I weighed and how I looked. So, and actually at Mount Holyoke, a female professor at the end of my journalism class, she said, what do you want to do? And I was like, oh, I want to be the white Oprah. And she goes, Sarah, they never put fat girls on TV. <gasps> they, Yeah, she told me that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even though, of course, Oprah's like gained it. I'm like, what? Oprah's like overweight. Why do we get? But yeah. Oh, so Unreal. I had such low body image. I mean, the lowest self-esteem. And on the King Show, I would have, I would go out to events. People would say to me, oh my God, you know, I really thought you were going to be tall and thin and blonde. And, and I'm like, and that stuff would fuck with me so much, Taylor. So I would bad. go home. I would think about it. 
And the tipping point was in 2011. I became the in-stadium co-host for the Washington Nationals. Okay. So, you know, the girl that does all the interviews on the Jumbotron or whatever. And I would have people tweet during the games to me. And they'd be like, wow, you'd be so pretty if you just lost 20 pounds. Wow. You know? Yes. It's unbelievable the way people talk to people about their bodies. I have a question. Mostly men or mostly women that would tweet you that? Oh my God. You know, I have to tell you, I think it was really 50, 50. It's a lot of women. A lot of women would tell me, you know, all the things I could do to be, to be more attractive. And locally here, I've been a longtime contributor at Fox five. And one time I wore like this belt or whatever. And, and one guy tweeted at me and he goes, um, I didn't realize that they were putting Santa Claus on TV in June. Like, cause it was like a big black belt. Um, and so these things, Taylor, when I would read these, I would go into a binge eating spiral mess. Same. I've been there. I get it. <clears throat> on every day, I spent thousands of dollars on diets. I'd be a rich woman if I saved all that money. Um, so in a moment of desperation, I was getting ready to quit entertainment because I couldn't emotionally take the comments. And I Googled giving up dieting, healthy living in Washington, D.C. And Robin Mize came up. She was doing a three-day course in Chevy Chase, Maryland called Mindful Eating, you know, how to stop dieting, lose weight naturally, love your life. I'm like, I need this woman. So I called her. I said, I can't even wait for the course. Are you taking on new clients? She said, yeah. So I saw her and the first day I saw her, I mean, I never trusted myself around food, Taylor. Like I couldn't keep cookies in my house. If I would plan my binge day, I would eat thousands of calories. I'm talking a medium pizza, a gallon of, um, or a pint of Ben and Jerry's, like four cupcakes. I would go gather all this food. I mean, it was insane. That was me yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Legit, no. Like when I was prepping for this, I was like, what are Sarah going to talk about? Because I know we have so much in common and so much to talk about. And then I was like, literally, Taylor, my girlfriend, had like a meeting with her company over our apartment yesterday on a Monday. And usually Mondays are like, I'm back on track day. We watchers. And she fucking bought bagels. And (laughs) nobody ate them. And they also got subs from Jersey Mike subs. And also I made cupcakes. And it's it's like Monday. It's like, this is not Monday behavior. This is Sunday behavior, whatever. So I was like, I, I let myself have a cheat day, right? Yesterday. And then this morning I woke up and I was like, I'm gonna get back on track. I saw that bagel and I, I said, you are, you want to fight me bagel? I'll eat you. <laughs> I will, I'll show you. I'm going to digest you. I'm going to cannibalize you. And I did. And I thought, oh, I know what I want to talk about with Sarah. <laughs> And led us to this. Yeah. Thank you, Bagel. Thank you. Thank you, Bagel. The the first day I walked in, Robin said to me, she said, um, two things. She asked me a question. Could you love yourself if you never lost one more pound? And I said, no, there's no, I, I, I had been trying to improve my weight for so long. That was so foreign to me. And she said, you're going to discover how to love yourself if you never lose one pound. That like my brain is broke hearing it. Like, no. Impossible. Impossible, right? And she said to me, you're also going to be able to trust yourself around any food. And I said, Like that was me this morning. I'm like, I said, Taylor, you're really a monster with these bagels and the cupcakes everywhere. Like it's like just, you know, it's just like, just like fill up hypodermic needles with heroin. I'm an addict. Like this is crazy. (laughs) I cannot handle this type of food. And like I have gained, I'm just going to be so honest right now. And it's like scary for me to even say it, the number, because like I I know people can probably figure out my weight is. And for some reason, that's the scariest thing in the world. To yeah. Me. Hey, I've How been dumb. there. I know what it's like. But like I have gained since, well, since my wedding day, which I don't think is really a fair weight to like go off of because I was like miserable and stressed and like knowing I was doing the wrong thing. Yep. Um, but I did it anyway. I'm, but I've, I'm up. I'm probably like 50 
solid pounds heavier than my actual wedding day. But since I probably was at my happy weight, which of course I hated, but I had like my a good weight for me, I'm probably a good 40 pounds over that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, look, I, I've been there. I've, I've, I've weighed 120 when I was starving myself yep, to, same. you know, 200 pounds. And so she totally changed my life. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because like when you're getting ready to eat something like a bagel or cupcakes in the morning, you know, she would always ha- say, okay, what are you hungry for? Because unless your stomach is Carbs really growling. <laughs> Cheese, carbs, wine. (laughs) Wine. (laughs) Because, you know, her whole philosophy is basically whenever we eat or drink, when we're not truly hungry, we're really masking something that's going on with us. And scared. I'm honestly terrified. Yeah, well, it's scary. It's scary for me, right? It was leaving the cane show, right? I was eating my way through, you know, going into work with someone who I didn't know one day would speak to you and the next day would do the show with his back to you. And, you know, that then with some real manipulative, abusive shit. Very right. So I was eating my way through that and eating my way through expectations of what I the world wanted me to be. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you I constantly had to come back to why am I why am I eating when I'm not hungry? You know, and a lot of times it was I'm in a really fucking soul sucking job that is not worth the 250000 because I'm overweight. I hate myself. I don't even I won't even go out on dates with anybody because I hate the way I look. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not, you know, getting anywhere growing, you know, changing the world that I want to do. So she began to get me to keep like a food mood journal, which really changed my life. And that was, you can't count calories. Okay. All you do is write down the food that you ate. And then how did you feel eating it? How did you feel 20 minutes later, an hour later? Because food should always energize you. It should never make you tired. It shouldn't make you bloated and gassy and um, anxious. And any time that food does that is a trigger to us that we've overeaten or something else is going on with us. And so it took me about two years. And that's the thing people don't like about mindful eating. It's not a 30-day fix. Right. It took me about two years to find my natural body weight. So I was probably maybe like 155, 160 when I went in to see her. And then now I fluctuate anywhere from like 135 to 140. Mm -hmm. But like if I'm overeating one week, then the next week I can kind of just stop because There's never a, it's not like the stress of a diet, right? Where it has to start Monday or today's my cheat day. It's like every day I can eat whatever I want. So like what do you eat in a general day? Like, and also do you like, do you do the thing? Because I do this where, especially when I'm like being good, that means I'm doing Weight Watchers, which is counting calories. Yep. Um, and obsessively like like planning, like like for breakfast, I'm like, what are we having for dinner? And I work backwards. But like I... Like, I know what's, like, a good for me. It's just, like, I can do it for a week or two, and then I just am, like, fucking, I want to, like, be naughty or eat something bad, or maybe I did eat something bad, and then, like, I'm, like, want to, I'm, like, well, fuck it. Now I can eat, what it, like, like four cupcakes in one sitting, right. you know? I yeah, because it's, it's, like, impressive. once you've had one, you've sort of blown yes. the whole thing, right? What I can put down is, like, that of a sumo wrestler. It's quite impressive, actually. Oh, No, I hear you. I was totally there. I mean, now I just have this really, I have this just really easy relationship with food. And so in the morning, sometimes I'll have a smoothie 
And sometimes I'll drink the whole thing. Sometimes I won't. Because what you do with mindful eating is it's you become aware of how the food tastes. Because one right. of the things too is like when we're on diets, all you do is like you're eating before like a six o'clock deadline, right? Or you're right. eating, you can only have, um, you know, carbs until two and then you can't. So you're constantly looking at the clock or you're counting a calorie. So with mindful eating, it becomes about taste and it becomes about enjoying the experience. So if you have four or five bites of a cupcake, Beyond that, you usually don't even taste the flavor. You're just trying to, we're trying to satisfy like, oh, I've got a two o'clock deadline or I fuck it. I've blown it anyway. So I'm going to eat the whole thing. Right. So it's all about slowing down and like doing taste. So I'll have like a smoothie for breakfast and I usually eat between like seven and eight. And then lunchtime, I'll, I, sometimes I have a sandwich and a salad. Like I found over the years with mindful eating, if I eat a lot of carbs at lunch, I just want to go to bed. Same if I right. drink wine at lunch. Right. So now I've stopped drinking like at lunchtime, which is no, no, no. I want I want everybody to understand this. When you work in radio, you yeah. are done with work at like fucking ten thirty in the morning. So yeah, you fucking drink at lunch. Everyone, get off our dicks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then dinner, I'll just have anything. We might make tacos. We might, um, but you know, I will say this: I no longer snack, and I okay. used to be a huge snacker. So I would say just eat three meals a day. I have dessert every day. I have like some sort of little. There's piece studies of cookie. that say that people who have dessert actually are they have better they have less weight problems than people who actually don't have dessert. I eat something sweet every day. A, a little. A, a now I can eat half a cupcake, save the rest for the next day. Half a cookie. You know what's so crazy? So Tay and I have been doing a lot of traveling um, during the quarantine. Like I'm not like irresponsibly. We're not like licking people and going to the next city. Right. Like if we <laughs> sure. like we, like we're seeing our families. We stay with them for extended periods of time. We essentially quarantine with our families. You know. Yep. Um, and but whenever we get in the car we're allowed to have McDonald's. That's what we, that's the deal. And so I have to tell you, like, do I love, do I love McDonald's? Yes. Are there French fries orgasmic? Yes. Stick them in my vagina. <laughs> However, I feel immediately five minutes in like complete and total shit. Like I'm like, I don't feel good. I'm having heartburn already. Like yep. yet I keep eating those chicken McFake and fucking nuggets. Cause they're just, cause I, cause I'm eating them and I'm allowed, but it's like, I don't even enjoy It's It's not even You don't enjoyable. even enjoy it. I got to tell you. So I've been, okay. So I started mindful eating maybe like at 31. I mean, honestly, God, Taylor, the last time I ate McDonald's was literally, I'm not kidding you, probably seven years ago, eight years. Oh I've been eating fast food. I've never eaten at Taco Bell. I've never eaten at Arby's. Oh, you got to eat a Taco Bell, girl. You're missing out on that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But that shit made me feel the same way. Like well, I used to go to Wendy's. Oh my God. Stomach ache. Oh. oh, and now it's like not worth it. It's just not worth it. Also, are you allowed to drink when you're mindful eating? Yes. Yes. But I will say this for a little while, I would realize that obviously drinking would be a trigger to just go eat like because yes. I'd be either hung over the next day. So I'd eat constantly yep. or I'd get hammered and then I'd try to, you know, sober up by eating. Yep. So again, I felt like shit, right? Like I felt like shit all the next day. And so it became a matter of, do I want to recover for two days, feel like crap, eat like crap, or do I want to start to feel good and just like, you know, not have this like anxiety and guilt and like self-hatred. And so after you kind of keep a track of your journal and you have good days where you're like, oh my God, I, I ate like light and I felt great. And you begin to want more of that. Yeah. But it's a process. It's a process. So 
So you said it took two years. Like, so you would have like yes. a good week and then you would like fall off the wagon and binge, right? One, yeah, 100%. I'd go back yes. out drinking. Right, the next day, right. I'd get up, huge fry up, you know, just like huge greasy breakfast, you know, pizza all day. Yeah. So, I mean, there was definitely, but, but the thing is, is like, you have to rewire your brain too. Cause like longtime dieters like us, you know, yeah. you just instantly beat yourself up. Like, fuck, I've fallen off the wagon. Like this is, I'm, my body sucks. Like I hate myself. Yeah. So Robin was like, no more bad self-talk. You have to rewire the record in your, your mind, you know? So every time you say you start criticizing your body, you're like, nope, Taylor, I love my body. I'm healthy. Like I have a beautiful life. You know, I, you know, I have gorgeous Taylor. You have to re talk because we're so programmed to have negative talk about ourselves all fucking day long. And that took me a long time too, to rewire the messaging in my brain. Well, I would like her number, please and thank oh, you. <laughs> Robin Robinmise.com. I will I will personally introduce you. She is mind blowing. And she'll get to the bottom of why you eat and drink See, when you're not hungry. That's the fear. Like I like and, and it's just crazy because I'm so vulnerable. I'm so open. I try to be super self-aware. I'm in therapy. Like I'm not scared, but like this actually does scare me because I know it's like such a fucked up spot in my life. And like so when I finally figure out like why. I am the way that I am. Like, and here's a fear too, because I like my life. Do you know what I'm saying? Yep. So for me, I'm like, like, if, like if we had this conversation when I was with Wasbin, I'd be like, bring it on. I hate everybody. <laughs> but now I'm like, I love. I'm in such a good place with my family. I'm so madly in love with Taylor. We're like on the precipice of getting engaged. I love her family. I love where we live. I'm really happy with work. Work could always be, you know, I could always make more. I could always be more sure. famous. I could, but like, you know, all things considered, I feel very like hashtag blast with work. But I really do. So that's the fear too, because like. I like in hearing you were saying like I was at this job that was like abusive. I, you know, like it's like, so when things are good, do you know, am I making sense? Well, yeah, but I, I would say to you, why do you think that those things aren't going to get better? Cause I think those things when you go deep are going to actually get better. Cause those Enhanced. are all things that were working for you. I mean, for me, the thing I, my dad passed away of stomach, of stomach and esophageal cancer when I was like 14 years old. And oh, wow. my mom's a, a tried and true new England mama, you know? So she is like, you cry for a day and then you buy up and you move on, you know, yep. we're yep. not going to dwell. And that sounds good, but it doesn't really work when you're, you know, I was like almost 15. My brother was like 13. It's like such a pivotal moment in your life. Right. So I had never dealt with that grief. So I was eating away a lot of those feelings. And then, you know, most, situ- most people don't have extreme toxic work situations like I had with Kane. That was really, I mean, like she, I have to say you actually, it like, that sounds like I I have complaints about serious, but like that is like times 10 worse than anything I ever dealt with. I mean, and that's just like, that was just a few incidents. I mean, like I can't, oh my God, the, emails that he would CC our bosses on and, and rip us, you know, a new one, all that you lived on pins and needles. So I think with, you you know, who knows? I mean, we all have shit, but I think it will only enhance. It's only made my life better by really forcing me to deal with these things. Because one of the other things that Robin will say to you when you see her is she always will say what you resist persists. And so you have to deal with that because what you resist persists. It's so crazy how you can be so scared of things getting better. It's like, um, yeah, you know, like I, it's almost like a fear of success and actually, and I love my daddy. I love my daddy, but my yep. dad is king of, it's like he was raised super blue collar and he did everything in his life to make his life the best it could be. And it's almost like he's feels guilty that it's great or like he's so competitive that like it, it's it, well, 
I live in this beautiful house and I'm a successful doctor, but you know, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not Steve Jobs who he was in his class at Harvard. So my dad's like, I'm a failure. And I'm like, dad, you can't compare yourself to Steve Jobs. Oh my God. Yeah. Talk about one in a billion. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So like, that's the thing. But like, I definitely, I mean, I am, I, the older I get, the more I'm like, I am my father. I am my father's daughter. And that's something that is definitely like, he's very, he's almost like scared of success. He's like, He's so capable, but sometimes he can't get out of his own way, you know? Well, and you, I mean, you can see it in you. Like you have so much talent and people are drawn to you and and you have these incredibly famous moments. And all that is going to even be amplified more when you truly like dig deep and figure out what the, those blocks are for you. Like it's, it's all going to happen for you. Well, thank you. That's very gracious. But like, even when I was on tour with Stoss, you know, like I remember thinking I had to like do mental exercises with myself where it was like, you can't like, I was so mad at myself that I was the weight that I was when I got such a great opportunity. Cause I was like, of course, like this is when all so many eyes are going to be on me and pictures taken to me. And like, it's, you know, but like, and that's so sad that I even had to think exactly. about that. Like, think of what you're going to give to your audience when you don't give a fuck about what you weigh. Like when you go, you're going to I empower. can't even understand the words that are coming out of your mouth. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm going to break you. my computer screen because I'm so happy, but fr- <laughs> like freaked out. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mindful eating will give you that gift because like all the power, even the more power that you have, what you're going to do for women when you, when you're on that stage in front of thousands of women and you don't give one fuck what you look like, because the audience can feel that. The audience senses that. I can't even understand. That. I can't even conceptualize that. <laughs> I'll be your therapist. I'll, I'll tell I you all. It. <laughs> I'm so fucking here for it. Okay. Speaking of which, because this industry is so cruel towards specifically Crazy. women. Um, you just on your, on your uh, daily podcast, again, guys, it's called Hey Frage podcast Monday yes. through Thursday. You can go to heyfrage.com. Um, You guys have a Patreon. Also your co-host is um, now uh, she does an hour with me mo- on every Monday on the Taylor yes. Tucker show. Thank you, by the way, for... Oh, I'm I happy mean, to she's... share her. And and she's another person. I push her out of the nest all the time because she is going to be a Saturday Night Live oh. member in two oh. years. And oh. you and I are going to be in the audience pillaging every fucking person on that show to be guests on our shows. You got so, it. <laughs> Andrea Lopez is amazing. So I push her all the time out of the nest because I'm like, you need to you need to co-host with Taylor and um, then with um, Nima Vand from Shaws yes. of Sunset. Yes. And, and, and AJ is going to be on my show, continue to be, but I'm like, you need to focus solely on your impression. So we're kind of shifting it up too that she's going to be on the show a little bit less every year, every uh-huh. month. So she can really focus on her talent because she's amazing too. And she's at Andrea Lopez Comedy. If you yes. are on TikTok, you definitely know her as like the best Kourtney Kardashian impersonator ever. She transforms, morphs into her. I know. And and Paris Hilton. I mean, she does so many I've spots seen on. Her do you Paris. haven't? Well, no. you need to go to her TikTok because Paris just commented on her ah! TikTok. Yes, Paris wrote under AJ's impression. That's hot. You know, like oh, because <laughs> AJ did a whole thing of her. Yes, AJ. Oh, I'm an- dying. I'm sure AJ has shared this with you, but you know, Selena Gomez now follows Andrea. No! Yes! That's too much yes! information for me. Wait, this yes, is girl. crazy. So Selena Gomez was like the first person I met at Sirius when I worked there. And so I was at Sirius doing Wake Up with Taylor, or maybe even at this point it was Cosmo's like Wake Up or Wake Up with Cosmo Radio. And 
the talent guy said, there's somebody downstairs that wants to meet you. And I thought it's got, cause we were upstairs in the offices and then that was 37 and then 36 was where all the studios were. And I thought it's gotta be like a manager's kid or something or wife, yeah, right. You know? And so I'm like going down and I was like in my mid twenties. So I didn't watch Disney channel, but my little sister did so i knew of wizards of waverly place through my sister Paige, and so and i and i remember thinking miley cyrus is so annoying that girl's going nowhere i was wrong (laughs) um but i also remember thinking and also i think miley cyrus is great now but i also remember looking at selena going that kid is fucking special she is going places so i knew her but like that was not really i walked downstairs and selena gomez is banging on like the glass of the studio she's in for her interview. And she comes running out, gives me a huge hug. And she's like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm meeting you. I'm so excited. And she's like, I listen to you every single day. My mom drives me around to auditions. And you're like my big sister that I never had. And then her mom came up to me and her mom, who I love her mom. And her mom was like, I have met Letterman. I have met Oprah. I have met everyone. And I have never been so starstruck to meet you. You like you are a part of our every single day life. And and like, she's like, Selena, what do I say? And Selena was like, you always say like, what would Taylor do? And I was like, I'm dying. So then I got really close to her and her mom. And I remember I was there at the Gramercy Theater. Okay. Oh my God. When she was just starting like to do the, like, the singing thing with like, she, it was like Selena in like the Disney back of band. <laughs> yeah. And it was like three-year-olds, I'm not even joking, like on their parents' shoulders at the Gramercy Theater in New York. And I was backstage with Selena's mom and her stepdad and weirdly, um, Catherine McPhee, don't ask. I, oh my I, God, I, I love Catherine but this McPhee. Was, this was like when, Ka- it was like Catherine, like post-American Idol, but pre that awesome show about Broadway. Yes, what was yes, that yes. Oh God. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's not Flash, but it was something. Something like that. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. But she was so so good in this. But it was like in the middle when she had like short blonde hair. Remember those days? Yes. And I was like, like, who is that? Catherine McPhee, she's so weird. But so we're all backstage. (laughs) And I said to Selena's mom, she's going to be huge. And she's like, and she was already big with Disney, but it was like, no, 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 no. She's going to go big. And like, and her mom was like, we'll see. Like the singing thing's not really her forte. And next thing you know, I know. I love it. Next, she was like, you know, she's working with singing coaches. Like she was like, she, like her skill as an actress, like singing was she like, she didn't grow up singing. Like what's the singing thing we're doing now? Well, <laughs> how many years later? Oh but my God. so I lost touch with them. Just because she got so big. And I expected it to happen, but it was like no sour grapes. But I invited Selena Gomez to my fucking wedding. And yes, because her mom and her listened so much. And they kept every time that she'd come into series, they'd ask oh. about the wedding. And I felt bad. So I was like, I'm inviting them. Like, I love them. We're friendly. They didn't come, but they sent a gift. Like, oh crazy. my I know. God. So I've like, now, so like, and like, Selena then started to like really focus on the music. So like, I wouldn't get her, book her for like the the Taylor Strucker show when we were on the talk side. But like Nicole from the Morning Mashup, who's one of my very good friends, would always be like, Selena always says hi. And I've just lost touch with her. And I'm like, when am I going to get back with <laughs> Selena Gomez? And you know, Andrea, you owe me a favor. That's your connection. That is your connection. You need to reconnect. Yes. I'm like, Selena, I miss you, bitch. But I interviewed Justin Bieber at Sirius. And this is when he was dating Selena. And oh. I was like, and I teased him. And I was like, you stole my best friend. We haven't spoken. And he got so mad at me. He was like, Taylor. Selena doesn't know you. And I was like, you're actually kind of hurting my feelings right now. Cause she actually, oh my does. God, maybe you do don't know sh- your girlfriend. Anyway, 
It was a disaster of an interview. I'm shocked I didn't get fired after that. I wasn't allowed to take a picture with him per our president of the company. He was like, no picture for you. It was like, no soup for you. It was like, no picture for you. Are you kidding? But that's wild. So so Selena Gomez now follows Mm -hmm. your co-host. She's also on at the Taylor Strecker Show at Andrea Lopez Comedy. Follow her on TikTok and Instagram. Amazing. I'm I'm dead. I'm dead. That's wild. Dead. Done. I know. And it's so funny. I've We interviewed Justin Bieber before he was Justin Bieber and he came in. This is when he had like the hair that was like yes. flopping over and a strumbly guitar. And we were like, who the fuck is this? We could have cared <laughs> less. And he had like four, like four young girls like following him. We were like, oh God, we got to do this interview with this kid. And they were like, he is going to be the next biggest thing. We were like, bullshit. You know, anyway, we did it. We totally dismissed this kid. And then of course he became so huge. And you know what? We've never seen him again either. He never came back. No, that no, did. That's the thing with pissed. radio that's so fascinating is like when you're in radio, because I always say that in radio, we're the construction workers of the industry because like we, yeah. we work every single day. Like I interviewed Jimmy Fallon right as he started doing the, the late night show. Huge. And he said after the interview, you guys, I got so much respect for radio. And we're like, what do you mean? And he's like, it's so fucking crazy because like you got to like come back the next day and do it again. And I was like, yes, Jimmy, you get it. And he said, I've done SNL. You practice all week for the big show then you go out and you celebrate and then like you start practice but like there's time in between he's like movies you shoot you shoot and then there's all this downtime and he's like but like when you're doing daily like whether it's a late night show or radio it's like oh my god that was the greatest thing ever we just did this huge thing and you're gonna wake up and do it again tomorrow it's like and he totally understood that but the thing is is that like in radio we're like the first stop, you know, for all these people. Like, I remember I interviewed Taylor Swift. I don't know who she was. Oh, my God. Back in the day. Back in the day. And so uh, the talent girl comes to me. Wow. Her name was Annabelle. Annabelle was so crazy. And she was like, <laughs> Taylor, you have to go interview this girl right now. Her name is Taylor Swift. And I was like, I don't know who that is. And I never I never said yes to this interview. I'm leaving. I'm, I'm sorry, but no. And she was like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? No, you have to. Because, like, if the talent fucks up, then, like, the people get mad at them. Sure, and, like, sure. Taylor Swift was probably represented by, like, 98 Degrees manager at the time. Like, who fucking knows, you know? <laughs> and they were like, we have to get Nick Lachey back in her or else. So they were, like, really pushing me. And I was like, guys, I'm not prepped. I don't have any prep for this girl. I don't even know who she is. And they're like, she sings, she sings. I'm like, what? As I'm walking, they're like, country. I'm like, I'm so fucked. And so she <sighs> so knew I had no clue who she was. And she couldn't have been more gracious. Because she was, like, helping me through the interview. I know. It was really... so, But that's the thing, too, is, like, you really get to know. Like, radio people, we know who, like, the legit cool-ass celebs are, who the fucking dickheads are, because we... And, like, listen, fame gets to people eventually and maybe changes them a little bit. But, like, that core that's there, that's really what it's all about, you know? And so, like, Taylor Swift, like, helping through a girl who didn't know who the fuck she was in the beginning, when, honestly, I probably should have known at least a little bit. And she had no ego about it. Like, she'll forever be a star to me. Like, forever. Uh, Isn't that the fun part about radio is you do see these people at the very beginning and you cannot really predict who's going to be hot and who's going to be not. Because over the years, they bring in tons of people, you know? And and some of them go on to be the Justin Biebers and the Taylor Swifts. And then some of them you never hear of again, you know? And you're like, it is, it's a fascinating world. And it's so funny, for whatever reason, we always seem to dismiss the people that went on to be fucking enormous. (laughs) Shit, why didn't we? We should have really given ourselves some time with this 14 year old, you know? But anyway, yeah. 
I know. That's crazy. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. But yes, okay, so back to, you have uh, a Monday through Thursday daily podcast. It's called uh, Hey Frage Podcast. Yes. And again, like I said, you can go to heyfrage.com to just get all the details, the Patreon, the info, the whole shebang. Um, And you, okay, so you recently had a guy on the show that showed you his micro penis, and we need to talk about it. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. This is why I'm launching my OnlyFans because now, Taylor, the biggest thing I'm getting is dick pics from men who want me to review their penis. For Shut real. up. What a niche. Oh my God. I just got another one. Do you want to see it? This guy no, is like. I've never seen a dick pic. Listen, I dated a guy. Linda, Linda, listen. I dated a guy who literally was not circumcised. I had no idea. And like years later, friends that had also hooked up with him, like we were having a conversation and they were like, I've some one of our friends was like, I've never seen an uncircumcised penis. And I'm like, me neither. And like half my friend group was like, yes, you have. And I was like, what? And they were like, your boyfriend? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. So I literally am oh so scared God. of penises. I didn't even look at ones that I let inside my body. Okay. <laughs> so girl, oh my God, I love you. I must have my eyes closed during blowjobs. <laughs> Oh my God, sign number one that you were going to be with a woman, right? I know, I mean, right? How so... did I not know I was a lesbian? Oh my God. I know, that is hysterical. No, now I am literally getting men that send me dick pics and we review them. Wait, so how did this all start? <laughs> how did this start actually? <laughs> I don't even, oh, you know what? I found a story, I'm going to say maybe a year ago about um, how to have hot sex with a micro penis, like with, with guys that are extremely small. And I, I'm fascinated like one of the other things on my show is I am fascinated by people that live like their own life right and blaze their own trails and are considered outliers okay so I've had like the woman on that's married to a chandelier Um, I've had the woman that suns her butthole for energy like I enjoy these people because I I love it when people go against the grain because every we're so conditioned to behave one way right yes So, uh, you know, I was like, oh, there's tons of women out there having sex with men who have the tiniest dicks. But like, how do you get into it? So this article that was like one of our highest downloaded shows that month. People were very curious about micro penises and what you do with them. So from that, I've always been an advocate for small peens. I'm like. I like small penis. Like if you know what you're doing with other things, it's all good. So I think that now for whatever reason, it is caught on. And I, in my inbox, I can, I probably have five dick pics to review. Oh man. Who is sending <laughs> their penis to me? But people are, and they're like, Hey, could you get, could you give us a, give it a review? Like, what am I going to say? Uh, okay. Like what? Like, I, I mean, in every review is like a lot less hair. Like, guys, you know, get, like, do some <laughs> manscape with the hair. Like, My what? review is get a wax. You're disgusting. <laughs> You know, like, seriously. Yes. Oh, my God. Sarah, I love you. I could talk to you forever. I know. Birds of a fucking on, feather, girl. Let's stick together. Like, we Hell have yes. been through this. We know what's up. You know what I'm saying? And so many good things ahead. I really, I really feel like so many good things ahead. I really do. I do too. I, I swear to God. I'm, I know. I feel that for you. I feel that for myself. I feel like there's going to be this great tipping point when we're done COVID. And like I told you before the interview, I think this is a time for us to just like rest, rejuvenate, keep figuring our shit out. Because once it pops off, it's going to be so big. So what are some things that you would never go back to ever again that you did in radio? Like hours, like longevity, like, like, oh. uh, like what, like anything um well crazy enough i would go back to morning radio if it was um 
it, you know, like if it was my own show and I could do things. I will never go back though to, you know, in radio and you've, you've been in this position, they promise you all these things, but they never put it in writing. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to let you, we're going to let you pick the topics. We're going to let you do your own show. Um, so I would never go back unless they put it in writing. I don't believe that radio and television is the same way right now. They don't give shows a long enough time to yep. actually catch fire. You saw it with Seinfeld. You see it with other shows. So I would only go back to radio if I had a program director that was like, you do what you want. And guess what? We're giving you three years to, yep. to produce this thing, to adjust it, all that stuff. Because that's what it takes now. Because so many people have their own radio show or their own podcast show or their, their own TikTok star. And I will never go back. I mean, unless it was like such a huge comp, unless it was like Theo Vaughn, like Tim Dillon, Nikki Glaser, and myself, like I would never go back to a radio show unless it was that, you know? Like it'd have to be so good. But I'll never co-host with a couple guys again, unless it's like Theo Vaughn and Tim Dillon. Like that's it. Girl, I have had so much fun talking to you. <laughs> I guess obs- I wouldn't say no to Joe Rogan either. I'll, I'll take Joe too. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining. And you guys, make sure to check out Sarah's show, you guys. HeyFrage.com. Um, you are so great. I love you. You're going to have to come same. back. We need to do more together. This Girl, is just, anything this is for you, anytime. I love you. I'm honored to be on your show and with your audience. You have an amazing following and platform. So thank you for putting me on. Thank. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Thank you for having me on your show as well. I mean, the feeling is oh so mutual. I really like, I think, I just, I feel like you and I, we're going to put our heads together. We're going to do great things. This is what I feel. Fuck I feel yeah. very strongly. Huge things are coming. Huge things. Taylor Strucker. And I can't wait to like my body. When's that going to happen? It's going to be, I'm telling you, it is going to happen. And your mind is going to be fucking blown. Your world is going to change. I'm so excited. You guys, <laughs> uh, thank you so much to Sarah for joining us. Uh, also, Sarah, aside from your website, where can people go to follow you and get connected to you? Um, well, you're so sweet. You, So I actually am going to change the name of the podcast, but people can still find it on iTunes. Hey, Frage. It's H-E-Y-F-R-A-S-E podcast. Uh, but I'm on social media at The Sarah Fraser Show. So everything is going to change October 1st to The Sarah Fraser Show because right. no one can really say Hey, Frage. People say yes. Hey, Frase, like it's a fucking rosé. So <laughs> it's, it's like, it's changing. So at The Sarah Fraser on TikTok, on Instagram, on uh, Facebook, everywhere social media is. Amazing. Sarah, thank you so, so, so much. And you you guys, uh, this is goodbye for now. Not goodbye forever. You will be back, my friend. You guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. That's how you hook your sister up. I'll be back next week with another amazing podcast. Until then, bye, girl, bye. Bye. 